Good evening, everyone, and welcome evening, to Rowan Hammer, Season 3, Episode 21. And this is our Round 9 review of our demoralising loss to the Cronulla Sharks on Sunday. Sorry, guys, we do have to talk about it again, unfortunately. Um, but before we get into it, I just want to thank you all for joining us for another episode. And this is made possible by our wonderful Patreon subscribers. Your awesome support enables us to bring you this visual presentation via Restream and bring you the content that you all enjoy so much. Hello, Hammer. How are you, mate? What's the what's going on with the sling again? Oh, mate. Work injury happened on Monday, I think it was. Um, yeah. In the rain here in Sydney. Uh, mate, you might just want to check that we're going to Facebook because I can't get it up on my phone at the moment. It's not okay. coming through. So I don't know if we're actually going live to Facebook. So just double check that. Uh, yeah, mate, just an injury. Um, had some uh, x-rays done yesterday. I got an ultrasound scan happening tomorrow, and uh, we'll see what the damage is. So until then, I'm mm. keeping it... Keeping it um, uh, We're definitely on for? Facebook. Oh, good. Okay, well, maybe it's just me that's not connecting. Um, <laughs> Pammer punched out the door after last week's game. <laughs> yeah, close to it mate um yeah yeah so mate yeah get some scans done tomorrow and we'll see what the damage is uh that's just meant that i've had to change everything for this weekend uh heading to magic round um so hopefully i, I get up there saturday morning and um everything will be fine but yeah i'll just have to wait and see what, what the doctors say tomorrow or friday sorry once i go back to the doc uh but yeah possibly some damage in the shoulder or neck and, and a little bit of damage in the elbow, but we'll see see how it goes. But enough about me, mate. Um, <laughs> I'm trying uh, to talk, I'm trying to I'm trying to do anything to avoid talking about what we have to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and before we move through, mate, um, just a reminder to everyone that's that's tuned in tonight. Um, you know, again, the reason we do this live is so that you guys can get involved in the. Uh, in the conversation. So, you know, as we move through to this, the discussion points, um, leave your comments. Uh, please do be aware that we do have current and next players and their families and uh, club personnel that watch this uh, webcast. So by all means, you know, you can bag out the performances and, and so forth, but keep your comments respectful and refrain from making them personal. Um, but yeah, mate, no words to describe what happened there at Shark Park the other night. Uh, well, it's not entirely true, mate. We're going to use plenty of words to describe the debacle that was Sunday afternoon. Jeez. Um, you can hear something in the background. On me? Mm. Can you? What can you hear? Yeah, well, maybe Jacko will let us know what he can hear in the background. Um, okay. Yeah, so... Yeah, I know what you mean, though. Like, uh, watching that game unfold at the time, we were just dumbfounded by what we were witnessing. I just, yeah, it's just taken a long time to get over that. Mate, to do it on, on one of only two occasions where we get the Channel 9 game, uh, so, you know, <laughs> match of the round, um, mate, we get a raw deal by the Aussie um, Rugby League media at the best of times. And Gus Gould, uh, to his credit, uh, he started his commentary full of praise at the Warriors and, you know, was talking up a lot of our young guys and they even asked him, like, oh, you know, what do you think about a second New Zealand team? And he said, well, you know, we really need to get this New Zealand team home first before we even worry about starting a second one. But 
you know, as the game went on, um, they were scathing in their assessment of our, our performance. And really, who can blame them? Yeah, look, absolute rubbish. Absolute garbage performance. And yeah, for mine, that's way worse than the 70 to 10 loss of the storm um, two weeks Absolutely. ago. Just the, the, the nature of it, it was just, Absolutely. as I said, as I said at the start of the show, it was just demoralizing. Um, anyway, uh, it's not really a band aid, it's like a, a full body cast that we're going to have to rip off this week. Um, so let's get into it. We'll get into the game review. The Sharks, the 12 man Sharks for the most part, are 29. Tracy with a double, Hines, Wilton, and Ramian. Hines four from eight and a field goal. Warriors 10 points came from try from DWZ and Valea and Walshy one from two. Um, for the first time this season, we actually took the field one to 17 as listed. And the Sharks kicked off and Iligato with the first hit up the game. Then Lodge had an early carry. Johnson running the ball in the fourth tackle, and he ran straight over the top of Matt Moylan and earns Warriors a penalty um, to go on the attack early. So he looked like he was motivated early. Um, yeah, he did. At, at least. And it was a good ball, uh, but good ball set inside the Sharks' half early in the game. Lodge, he was heavily involved. He had plenty of carries. And um, Reese Walsh uh, injecting himself early, running deep into the line, trying to get um, Rocco Berry into space. And then the set ended with a kick to the corner uh, to complete the set. And the Warriors looked, they looked pretty good from that first set anyway, switched on. Um, yeah, they did. Um, they did indeed. I'm just reading the comments coming up. Uh, Peter Callum, Robbie Reyes is there. Love your shirt, Hammer. Uh, how's your fantasy team? Fantasy team's going as well as the Warriors at the moment, mate. I was, <laughs> I was going good. I think I've had four losses in a row, so not real good. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, um, mate, yeah, the Sharks, they had a good set. Uh, they finished deep inside the Warriors 20. Uh, and then the Warriors were the yardage set working out from their own end. Wade Egan had a really good uh, run out of dummy half. He earned some good metres, followed it up uh, with a, a trademark AFB tough carry. Um, Walsh kicked deep to split the winger and fullback, and a good kick chase had the Sharks pinned in the corner. But, mate, as, as has been the case over the past couple of weeks when we've had other teams, uh, like, in their own... 20 or 30 metre zone and, and working out a yardage set and trying to get um, uh, metres, uh, we give away a relieving penalty and just help them get out of trouble. Yeah, that's right. Um, the penalty, that allowed the Sharks to get their set started inside our half and they worked the, they worked us around um, the defence. And our, our goal line defence, again, was pretty solid um, and our discipline was on point and didn't give away any set restarts. The Sharks next set, however, though, the shift the ball early out to their right edge on tackle three inside their own half. And Jesse Ramian beats uh, Vili Vallejo uh, all ends up one-on-one. Um, -on -one, finds some space and Nico Hines back on the inside. And he showed a clean pair of heels to race away to score in the corner there. Mate, watching, watching that try, uh, like the replay of that try when they went through it, like the Sharks were in their half and the Warriors' defense was so compressed there. Um we were like flooding the middle with numbers and that just left so much space on either edge. And, and Nico Hines has really developed into a really good eyes up halfback. Uh, he played smart footy, he identified um, that there was space out there and he got some early ball to Ramian, uh, got him one-on-one -on -one with his opposite. Uh, and then it was just basic, you know, eyes up footy counting numbers, something the Warriors should have done, you know, once we had that new numerical advantage in the game. Yes, correct. Um, so 
after that, the Sharks had a good set after points. And once again, they made us work it out from our own line, which we're going to talk about soon. It's been a real trouble, troubling uh, point for us. Uh, the back three of DWZ, Pompey and Walsh working hard to get the yardage set going. And eventually, Ewan Aiken, he got the carry. Um, they got us towards the halfway line and enabling a decent tackle and a uh, decent um, fifth tackle option for a kick. And then a relieving penalty uh, to the Warriors when working it off, off our line in the next set enables us to get a good good ball inside the Sharks' half, but not much happening with the possession at all. Uh, but it was a good fifth tackle kick from Johnson that did earn us a repeat set. Yeah, it did. Um, and then we go on the attack. Um, a quick Matt Lodge play the ball. We get a set restart. Uh, and once again, our attack looked pretty unsettled and underprepared in that 10-metre zone, it's like. When we get to that end of the field, we don't know what to do, and we just keep resorting to that crash play that never works for us. And then there's a, a wayward dummy half from Jazz to to Lodgy, which forced a knock on. And to me, that was a decision that was probably challengeable, uh, as it certainly looked like it was knocked back from Lodge. Uh, but then again, our recent history with captain's challenges and bunker interventions probably not a good, uh, probably a good no, idea yeah. to to keep the challenge up our sleeve at that point in the game. Um, the Sharks then, with a rare handling error, turn the ball over early in their set. And the Warriors once again go on the attack. And it's, it's again, it's Matt Lodge drawing in defenders, uh, slips an offload to Reese Walsh, who goes down uh, that left edge. And he's caught in a dangerous tie tackle from, from Will Kennedy. Uh, and the match officials, they waste little time in sending him off for the remainder of the game. I was actually driving back from the Gold Coast, um, listening to the first half when this when this happened. <laughs> and I was trying to explain to Kiri to what what that meant that the Sharks had lost the play for the whole game. You know what she said to me? <laughs> I'll still find a way to lose. As as a complete tongue-in-cheek joke comment, but, you know, I said, yep, there's all yep. the pressure on us now. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, we had the numerical advantage then, that meant, for the remaining 65 minutes of this game. And I think 95% of fans thought it was just a foregone conclusion that we would go on to win the game. But some of us have been here before, haven't we? Yes. Um, yes. Many could be excused for thinking um, that because we wasted little time in taking advantage of that, so we got the two quick tries, setting up for the shift down, found DWZ with space and clear run to the line, um, that it was on for Young and yeah, all. That's, that's um, yeah. And then because it happened, it just happened so quickly. It and, did. It, it was pretty much a two or three plays straight after the send-off. They, they – you know, they played good eyes up footy. They they worked right to open up that left side. Uh, sorry, they worked left to open up that right side and then, yeah, just sent the ball wide and, and we got them, we caught them out with numbers. Uh, and that's that was pretty much the blueprint of what they needed to do for the rest of the game was just... It, it was. It was the blueprint, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, made in a rarity after that try, uh, in a rarity for us, we completed a set after points. Um the Sharks then kick long in their set to give the Warriors a seven-tackle set. And then, again, uh, off the back of a Matt Lodge offload, Reese Walsh finds space, splits the Sharks' right-edge defence. He finds Dejanazi in support. And he showed a really level head uh, to assess the situation. He could have put the ball through the hands, but I think if he had a pass to Valaya, Ramian runs him down. He puts in a well-weighted kick. Valaya on the chase. He wins the race to the ball, scores for the Warriors. Walsh converts for a 10-6 lead. And... That was it. That That's exactly what Jacko's saying there. The two quick tries had us lose focus and we never got it back because I just think that they thought that it was just going to come so easily. 
and that they wouldn't have to work for it. And it and it's never like that in the NRL. Never. No, no. Um, as you said, like it looked like we'd completely gained full momentum and well and truly shifted in our favour until normal transmission re- resumed. And we cough up position on the set after points again. And that was a sliding door moment, I think, that turned the game completely on its head. This is a serious issue that we have. There's no there's no hiding it. There's no like writing it off as just a little um idiosyncrasy in the game. This is happening every single week. It happened twice against the Raiders, and they scored twice from it. So we gave up our try advantage both times. It's it is so costly and it just changes the momentum. And we're already a side that can't handle momentum swings as it is or struggles to to go when the momentum changes. And this is just something we have to get out of our game. Yes. It's, it's just so grating now, honestly. Um, and then the Sharks, they go and attack inside the Warriors' 20-meter 20, um, 20 zone in a period where they control possession for a significant period of time. And that, again, is another key to how the result turned out. They kept the ball in hand. Um, they earned a forced dropout and another repeat set, a penalty, two set restarts, another repeat set. And the weight of possession inside the Warriors' 20-meter zone, and we just look buggered. And the Sharks are too good a team to waste that opportunity, even with a man down. And they score with Teague Wilton finding space between Johnson and Katoa. Some very ordinary attempts at tackle, it must be said. Yes. And um, the Sharks, they went to half-time with a 12-10 lead and would, would have gone in with a lot of confidence, the way that they controlled the back end of that half. Absolutely. And it highlighted, it, as you said, it highlighted a couple of um, glaring uh, faults that we have within our game style at the moment. And one is, as you said, we, can't, we turn over possession too easily, uh, especially straight after points. Um, the other concern was how easily the Sharks were able to continually find space on our edges. So we're playing like an up-and-in defensive style, and we didn't need to. We, just, we needed to play um, just really patient footy in both attack and defence and, and know that the game would come to us if we controlled the ball and um, and made the Sharks work for any, you know, possession of metres that they got. I really thought halftime would be a good opportunity for for them to, for the Warriors to regroup, have our senior players stand up, get around the group with a message that, that they've just got to play patient footy, control possession, get through their sets, and the new numerical advantage that we had would take effect on tied defenders late in the game. We were never going to win that game by blowing Cronulla off the park. Uh, we've proven in the past that that's just not our game style, our play style at the moment. Um, we're not a team with a lot of points in us, but we've shown in the Cowboys game and in the Raiders game, even when we're playing bad footy, we can stay in the grind. Um, you know. With a man down, the Sharks led all the first half attacking stats. They had 55% possession. They had 200 more running meters, and the Warriors were forced to make 40 more tackles and conceding, you know, three straight set restart on our own line. Uh, yeah, Andrew Lawler. All we did was tackle. That's all we that did in that game. Yeah, yeah, that just that just killed us the back the back end of that second half. Regardless of how many players yeah. they had on the field, and the try that they got was not was was you know a fairly soft one as well. Um, yeah, you know, well, straight through some tired, tired attempts at tackle. Um, the second half starts, and the Warriors we go close in our first set after the break with Pompey um, almost putting Vallejo over for his second try. Probably should have held on to that and made a bit of a better effort there. It was, a, yeah. it was an awesome effort from Pompey to, yeah. to even get in the position to set him up. 
And then it's just the, the polish. Like, it's just we've got to ice those opportunities. Yes, we can't we leave those out there on the field, especially as you said, when we're struggling to get points. When these opportunities come up, they have to present themselves. Uh, we have to we have to ice them, I should say. And once again, some poor handling inside our own half. It gives gives the Sharks position, and they're able to do what the Warriors can't, and that's maintain possession and build pressure, um, particularly off the back of Hines' kicking game, which has in jail all night. And they score on the left edge through Connor Tracy. Somehow they score on the left edge. Um even with the man down and they're able to continue to create overlaps on our edge. How? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it, it's, it's just baffling. And then, and then we get a high shot from Romian on Aiken, which earns him 10 minutes in the sim bin. The Warriors now with a 13 on 11 scenario. Uh, but we're the ones that are playing like we have to score off every player. We have a set on the Sharks line. Uh, and the merch absolutely murders a certain try. Oh, look, throw away the key. Throw yeah. away the key. <laughs> Choosing to hold onto the ball rather than pass to an unmarked, uh, I think it was Vili Valera on the outside of him there. Yeah. Uh, and it, it probably rivals Logan Swan's 2007 brain explosion um, for bombing a certain try. The stage, you know, that they're playing on, probably, oh. probably not quite as important, but still just as bad. Um, and interestingly, the Sharks are able to control the possession of the game during Ramian's time in the sin bin, the Warriors only having two sets with the ball in that 10-minute period. Absolutely it ridiculous. Was just, it was baffling. Like, that's probably the worst. That's up there with the worst 10 minutes the Warriors have ever had, ever. Yeah. <laughs> it was diabolical. Yeah. It's like... It's unfathomable that you've got a, a two-man advantage and you can't even get your hands on the ball. No. Uh, look, the final 10 minutes of that game um, was was all the Sharks, obviously. And the Warriors were next to no position. The Sharks, they went 13 ahead with that Nico Hines field goal to put the game out of reach, pro probably to put us out of misery. I remember we were talking during the game, they are like, you're just waiting for like the knockout blow to come and just sort yep. of seal our fate. Um, and then the final try um, that summed up the whole game for me. You just fell uh, falling, uh, fa sorry, failing to put the player on the ground and wrap up the ball. Virtually give up the play, and Ramian gets and gets the offload and runs over unmarked to score the try. That was just the. Icing on the turd cake of the afternoon, really. It was, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at that play, and we don't like singling out players, but you know, sometimes you have to. And Vili Valea's got hold of him in a in a three man tackle, and he's the one that just drops off and he falls to the ground, and kind of lies like there on his knees. And then next thing, the Cora runs past him, having received the offload. It's like, what the hell just happened there? There has just... been about three of our players on the ground. I know Walshy. I think did his hammy at that point in time yeah. as well yeah. but yeah oh that yeah it just summed it up didn't it mate it was a disappointing and diabolical performance one of the worst in the club's history I, and like you said at the beginning of the show it 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 actually tops the 70 to 10 uh shellacking that the storm gave us two weeks ago um for effort uh and um you know making the most of your opportunities the warriors they became the first team in 14 years to be beaten by a side playing three quarters of a game a man down. There has been instances where teams have had uh, players sent to the sin for 10 minutes and they've gone on to win games. But this was a player sent from the field and for 65 minutes of the game, the Sharks played with only 12 men. And for 10 minutes 
of that 65 minutes, they played with only 11 men and they were able to control the game and score points. The question I have is, does this result or this performance say more about the, the fight in the Sharks and that they're a, a definite top four, top six tender this year, uh, uh, having recruited so well with the likes of McInnes and um, Nico Hines, uh, Dale Finucane there, and, of course, Craig Fitzgibbon? Or does it highlight our own ineptitude, ineptitude and uh, focus on where we're actually at, or is it a little bit of both? Because looking at the stats of that game, you see, like, the Sharks had 58% possession to our 42. They had 600 more running metres. They had 300 more post-contact metres. They had 45 tackle breaks to our 18. They had 209 metres in kick returns. We, we returned the ball 67 metres. And then we were forced to make 100 tackles more than the Sharks. And if you look at those stats, you would think we were the team playing with 12 men. That's just that's baffling. Oh. I, I, I think it's a bit of both. And it was almost like the Sharks were way more prepared to be able to win with 12 or even 11 men than we were to win with a numerical advantage. It's like they were prepared. They, they handled the situation perfectly. They kept the ball in hand, and that's what they needed to do. And they, they, they were smart with their kicking game, and they just didn't give us an opportunity. And when we did have the opportunity, we just failed to capitalise. Um, yeah, look, it, it, and it says, it says so much about us, about, about where we're at as well. Um, Robbie's just been commenting a few times um, yeah. that we once went one with a man down. That was actually in 98. So I remember we beat – we had a play. I think Jerry CUCU might have been, got sent off against the Bulldogs at Belmore in 98. We still won 20, 20 points to six. So we have done it before. Yeah. Um, and we also did it against the Northern Eagles back in uh, 2000. I remember we had Ali Lautiti sent off and still win, win that. But anyway, I digress. Um, yeah, this um, – yeah, I, I, I really I really don't know what to say. It's like we have all the talk was about um, you know having halves now. Well, having having Sean Johnson back, a guy who spent three years at Cronulla, learning how to play the game differently to how he did at the Warriors. So he's he's no longer, as we've said for months now, he's no longer the highlight reel package. He's now learned how to be the game manager and the game and to control the game, but we just did not see any of that at all, no. at all. No. No, we didn't. Um, <laughs> the, it, it's, it's interesting. We're going to talk about Sean in a little bit on, down yeah. the run sheet, but, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just looking at all these comments coming through. What are your thoughts on record of Nathan Brown as a coach? I think we're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, yeah. What about heading home earlier for home ground advantage? I heard um, Greg Alexander come out and say that on Sen uh, the other day, but I think the logistics of that is is uh, something that they can't do for a number of reasons. So one is even if they head home for the games, they're not heading home. Like they, they got those four games at the end of the year, but they're not heading home to stay. They're still coming back here because their kids are in schools here. They've got yeah. partners and family members in, in uh, like with employment, uh, that kind of thing. They've made the commitment to be at Redcliffe. Uh, so they're keeping up with that. The other thing too is that the ticket sales and stuff that they've already sold for those games at Morton Daly Stadium, uh, the, they've got three more games left there. They've got the, the Knights in uh, three weeks. Um, Sharks again. Then we've got the Sharks. 
uh, in a really bizarre late six fifteen game, and then the week after that we play the Panthers. Um, so they've still they've only got three games left there before they head home. So they'll honour that uh, thing, and I, I I don't think it's all about the the home ground thing. I I actually believe that we need to be winning some games before we we head back to New Zealand because I think the the enormity of the occasion heading back there is going to uh, play on. I mean, we, we've got a very young and inexperienced squad when you look across the park. Um, you know, you've got guys like Reese Walsh, who's played less than 20 games. Valea and Berry, both less than 20 games. Uh, Ed Cozy this year, you know, he's played less than 10 games. Uh, Eli Katoa is maybe a 20-gamer. Um, Otokolo on the bench, he's played like four games. Um who else have we got in there? Uh, Aaron Penne, he came from Melbourne, but he's still like 20 games into his career. Um, so, you know, we've got some uh, – Chanel hasn't played a, a, a lot of consistent games of footy um, in a row. So uh, the enormity of going back to New Zealand for this, these guys, for some of these guys, is going to be massive. Yeah, easily and be overawed by that, the occasion. That's the thing. I, I'm really worried that – that, um, you know, the, the occasion is going to overawe some of these guys and, and we're not going to get the performances that people think we're going to get being at Mount Smart Stadium. I think especially I'm, – I'm, and nothing against the Tigers, but we're probably fortunate that it's the Tigers that we're playing in that first game because they can be just as diabolical. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. But um, – Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, um, talking about our form and recent form, um, perhaps those golden point wins that we had mask the deeper problem that we have. Um, you throw in the Tigers win there as well, game that we should have lost. And we could effectively, let's face it, we could be one win and eight losses right now. Um, why, why is it, this is a question I always find myself dwelling on, why is it that we continually produce the same errors, we have the same problems, we do the, commit the same cardinal sins on the field, year in year out despite we got a completely different roster completely different coach completely different management it's just bizarre isn't it it is um repeat offenders offenders for 27 years we we, yeah we go through this on a yearly base don't we and as you said it's a you know we we went through it when uh kearney was coach we went through it when cappy mcfadden was coach we went through it when elliot was coach um you know where these same problems exist in the Warriors. And, mate, for so long the excuse has been it's a mental thing or the New Zealand players aren't used to the fast-paced NRL grind or, you know, the, but but the New Zealand players at other clubs don't struggle. You know, you look mm. at some of these guys, um, you know, at other clubs that are, you know, Isaiah Papali'i, for instance, um, is thriving under the, the Parramatta system. Jerome Hughes is thriving under... Um, the Melbourne system, you know, uh, James Fisher-Harris thriving Manu. under the, the pen. Yeah, Joey Manu. Uh, and, and we are now a predominantly Aussie-based roster. So that excuse, as far as I'm concerned, is irrelevant. Um, the mental toughness aspect, uh, this has been a, a problem for us for so long now. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just, I, I can't, yeah, I can't. I can't put it. I, I can't put my finger on what the problem is and why we make the same mistakes. Is it? Is it because our players aren't made accountable for the mistakes that they make? Um, there has been a bit of that. 
and I would say particularly under Kearney's reign, there was a bit of that. Um, yeah, it's it's so hard to put your finger on it. Um, Look, off the field, so off field, they've been doing a lot in terms of uh, building up the culture. Um, you know, uh, Torhu's been very vigilant uh, as captain. He's, you know, uh, he's got this pr uh, program in place now where, you know, every morning they, they uh, go through certain uh, protocols um, and they're reminded and they're, uh, they address what it means to be a warrior, what they're getting back in touch with the, the Maori culture and uh, preparing themselves for going back to New Zealand. But, and that's all well and good, but where the problem that we have is, is how we trans translate that onto our, onto our um, on-field performances. Um, it's, there's, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a baffling one and it's one that most fans, and you can have a look in the comments that everyone's saying the same thing. No one's got any idea. Maybe we're too relaxed. Maybe we're too family orientated. You know, um, who is, who's responsible for setting the culture? Well, You'd, you'd think that the players have to be responsible for setting that culture. Um, Brown is too nice a guy to be a head coach. Um, yeah, you don't see him lose his temper too much, do you? And he's like it's always it's always been on, on in terms of on the field that when the momentum switches in the game, we can't go with it. So we've struggled to sort of dig in our heels and get into the trenches, roll our sleeves up, and play tough. We've struggled with that for a long, long time, and I, I, I don't know. Like, is this that is it just mental toughness? It's, it's not. Sorry, it's not just mental toughness, but they got to. We got to be putting our bodies on the line. Like when we have to, when we come up against these scenarios where we're suddenly under pressure and they, we've had a couple of tries again, a couple of calls not go our way. It's about the body language as well. Like on Sunday, it was so evident. You could see the body language of the players, and it was terrible. It really yep. was. You could just see them, hands on the hips, heads down. It reminded me exactly of another fateful game. That was our 2018 finals game against Penrith. Um, remember when Roger Tuivasa-Shek got injured? Yep. And the whole side, you could almost see it collectively drop their heads, and we were gone after that. Yeah. And that was another game where we needed um, Sean Johnson to stand up and take the reins, and he he um, he probably failed to do that. And it happened again this week. And it's just you just look at the guys on the field and body language; they look puffed, like towards the back end of that second half, and this, and then towards the back end of that game. Just the, it's like we we don't even we don't look like winning this because the players don't look like they want to win it. I mean, I know I know they want to win it, but the body language is expressing something completely different. Like you look at the group and they were just all, the, like this wasn't good science. The thing for me too is, and it taught it like along that, that uh, train of thought of thinking is um, yeah, that the player makes a mistake, you know, you, you do the old hand up, everyone pats him, but, but their heads down for the next set or set and a half. And in the, in the modern game in the NRL, it's too long. You need to have the attitude, and Jimmy Maloney was a classic for it, where you make a mistake, oh, well, and you try it again. And we saw it last year in Reese Walsh. It was, I think it was the, the Tigers game yep. when he, he threw a long ball, didn't work out, 
But very next time he went down there, he threw the long ball, and I think it was to Roger, and Roger scored in the corner. And it's it's that kind of um, thing. And on the weekend, Walsh, he was probably – he was outstanding for us. He was the only one that was constantly having a dig, constantly trying things, um, and he didn't have anyone going with him. And, I, I yeah, I think it's – uh, a lot of it is, yeah, is attitude. A lot of it is attitude, um, you know. And again, it's it's attitude, and it's I think part of our problem this year is the the age of our roster or the experience of our roster, um, and you know that that can only be blamed on uh, you know who's uh, you know the, our recruitment and retention. You know, we've left ourselves short in our outside backs in experience. And they went all in on Joey Manu, thinking that they'd lure Manu to the Warriors, and it just was never going to happen. Uh, and as a result, aside from uh, Dallin Watani Zelezniak, you look at our outside backs, including Walsh at fullback. So you got Walsh, you got Jesse Arthurs, uh, you've got Valaya, Cozzy, um, Rocco Berry, and um, five of those like those five players collectively would have played probably less than 50 games. And then you put Pompey on there, he's played 20. Montoya's Montoy- maybe played about 50 or something. Montoya's yeah. maybe played 50. You know, so you, you so we've got a back line um, that, aside from DWZ, that has played, you know, less than fucking 100 games of footy or something. It's just, or just over 100 games of footy. It's, you know, that that's, that's one area where we're lacking is the experience. And that's why the signing, everyone's saying, oh, why did we sign Dylan Walker? The signing of Dylan Walker, regardless of where he plays, whether he's 14, whether he plays in the centre or that, he brings to us some experience. Uh, he's won a premiership, so he knows what it takes to win. He's a, if you watch him play at Manly, he's um, always, always on and around the ball. Um, and... and these young players learn from the players that are around them. So if the players that are around them are constantly dropping their heads and, and not having a quick, uh, always looking for the easy option and, and finding excuses, well, then this becomes habit and, and it becomes yeah. what becomes the accepted and the norm. Uh, and that's where we need to change. We need to change. Um, and it comes from our senior players on the field because regardless of what people think about Cam George or Nathan Brown as a coach or Craig Hodges in his role or, or whatever, they're not out on the field, and, and these guys, these guys are growing men playing a uh, you know collision sport. They've got to take, they've got to start taking uh, responsibility on the field for their own efforts and the efforts 100%. of the players around them. Yeah, yeah, and that that's one thing. Like I mean, I never played first grade footy. I didn't. I, I wasn't lucky enough to get that far. But in I, I played rugby league from you know the age of six right through till I was thirty four, and the principles are the same. You've got to do your job. And also have the faith in the guy doing the job that's either side of you. And sometimes we see that that's not what's happening with the Warriors because you'll see that, you know, maybe uh, our our edge uh, back rower doesn't have the the confidence in his edge centre, so he kind of goes two on to to man up on the outside on the 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 opposing centre, leaving that gap on the inside where, you know, where a player can run through or, or something to that effect. And that's where we've got to change. Guys have to know their role, do their role, have faith in the guy doing the role either side of them, and be accountable. And they've got to be accountable to each other. And it's all very well to say, you know, you know, you know we discuss it, and uh, you know, we're all accountable. You know, we'll, we'll talk about it at training. We go through it in, in video on that, but it's not translating onto the field. Mm. You know, like we we were lucky 
as you said, the games that we've we've won uh, that we've won. So the Cowboys, we they get they wrapped that up and handed it to us as a gift. That Cowboys that Cowboys game, uh, Golden Point. Canberra Raiders the same. They had enough ball and, and all the possession to win that game, and they just they they couldn't get over the line, and we just dug in and hung in there, um, and we get the result. Uh, the the Tigers game um, should never have won that game. The Tigers really should have beaten us, um, but they couldn't. They couldn't find a way. They, they were just diabolical. They were going through a period of a really tough period for them, and they've come out of it the other side now. And no one's really talking about the Tigers as one of those easy beat teams now. People are looking at them as a you know now that Jackson Hastings is back, they're leading them around. They're they're quite competitive. So the only team that we've beaten convincingly is the the Broncos. So you're right. We could be effectively be one and eight heading into Magic Round. So the fact that we're four and five uh, and sitting two points out of the eight is is like good in that respect. But I, I just saw before someone commented, we've got a, a period now of a couple of we've got the Rabbitohs who are who are still uh, they too are struggling for form. Uh, and they've got a couple of out, uh, outs this week that, you know, could affect their performance. But, um, you know, they're, they're a side that's going to be tough to beat. The week after that, we play the Dragons, who are kind of on the up, although they have lost the last couple of games. But, um, you know, as, as recent as two weeks ago, they beat the Roosters on Anzac Day. And then we play the Knights, who are struggling. But we're the side that can put, play the Knights back into form. Yeah, we're, we're very good at that. We're generous like that. Yeah. One other thing to talk about too, mate, is is um, just the way we play the game now as well. So um, let's look at our back three purely in the way we start our set. So when we had RTS, Ken, Fuss, Big Manu, we always started our set strong. We had good, strong carries. We had wingers consistently making over 150 metres a game. Uh, we weren't scoring the points as often as we'd like to, although – 2018 and uh, 20 was it 2017 that Ken Ken and Fuss were the uh, two leading try scorers. Yeah, uh, well, 2019 Ken was the leading try yeah, scorer. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. 20, 2018, 2019, no, they they did score some tries, but then we we went in the direction where because we kept getting beaten on the outside by faster by faster sides. So our two big wingers uh, were slow to turn, slow slow on the chase back. And we, they get found out when we uh, opposition teams have put kicks in behind them. So we sacrificed size for speed, thinking that it would provide more points. But now we struggle to get out of our half in yardage sets. Uh, our outside backs make very little yardage now. Um, we haven't got the attack, attack structures in place to ut- utilise the outside back speed. Uh, what do you what do you think of that comment? Do you well, agree? Disagree? Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, so we've changed. So I think what I said to you the other night was we've kind of put the house, the, the cart, <laughs> cart before the horse. Yeah. Um, and so I said, okay, well, okay. The problem is, you know, our big wingers are getting beaten on the outside. So we'll get these faster guys. Then all of a sudden we're not getting in the, the field position to be able to utilize these fast wingers. We're not, we're not getting to go forward for the halves to be able to play some ball off the back off. Um, so, like, we just don't have the structure right. Um, like, yeah, it's it's all well and good to com- to completely change, but um, the, the, the framework, the core of the team is just, it's just out of balance. And 
And now not only are we struggling to score points, but we're struggling to make meters as well. Like it, we notice it, like when the games were there at Redcliffe, all the other like Raiders and the Cowboys and these teams, they were just surging upfield. And we're struggling yep. to get out of our own half. We're relying on set restarts and penalties and that kind of thing. Yep. We just don't have to go forward. And then when we do have the ball in hand, like Johnson just hasn't quite got that long ball worked out yet. And it's it's not really happening for our wingers out there. So No, and, and the the fact that we're not making big meters, so like you know, Roger used to always be good for like you know, ten or fifteen meter carry, and then and then off the back of that, Ken would have a, a good ten or fifteen meter carry, and, and all of a sudden your big boppers that have been defending on the front line don't have to come back so far to get involved in that set. But we'll go sets now, yardage sets, where, you know, Fanua Blake or, or Lodge may not even touch the ball. They touch it on tackle five or tackle four because they've got to work so hard to get back. And they're getting tired because they're up the field, then they're back down the field. They're up the field, then they've got to work all the way back down the field to get back into position to, to uh, have a carry. New Zealand Warriors HQ, letting go of Peter Hiku was a big mistake. He used to create a lot for his outside backs. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And we said that last year that um, – you know, it was one of the the um, players that we were very sad to see go because Petter was always so good in setting up his outside man. Plus, you know, he had a lot of experience. He, he would have been great for a lot of these young guys in the centres this year. But, um, yeah, it's – what about um, – the other one for me is uh, – I, I just noticed Mark Roberts said – was on the weekend there were some players frustrated with some of the players being able to go back to New Zealand during the week after the win the week before. <clears throat> it was only Sean Johnson that went home, and he went home for a wedding. That's the only reason he went home. It was his brother's wedding. Um, so, uh, Spe- speaking I, of yeah, speaking of going to New Zealand or not going to New Zealand, what are your thoughts on Lodge and Aitken um, not committing to the team long term? Do you think that has had some effect on the squad harmony and unity? I think so. Yeah, it's um, look, those guys. Don't get me wrong; they're giving their like on the field. They've been two of our better players, but it's a workplace, effectively. And I know at my workplace, if a guy has his foot out the door, he's not committed to the future. It does create tension and problems. Um, you know, I'm not taking anything away from their efforts or performances because you know, Yui and and Logie has been um, two of our best all season. Uh, but it does have an, uh, have some effect on the rest of the squad. They're humans. They're not machines. And, and th- those two guys are both playing with for uh, contracts elsewhere at the moment. So they've got to put their best foot forward to, you know, try and get a, uh, what do you call it, a, a contract elsewhere next yeah. year. I mean, their odds on to end up at, at the Dolphins, um, you know, Lodgy's um, father-in-law. Um, Peter O'Sullivan is the recruitment manager at, at the Dolphins. Um, so, you know, it's a foregone conclusion that I think Lodge will end up there. Ewan Aitken's partner's family live on the Gold Coast. Um, they actually live in the same complex as Josh Curran's parents live. So there's a good chance that Ewan Aitken will probably end up there as well. Um, but... Another issue I see is the one we've spoken about throughout Brownie's tenure as coach is his bench rotations, particularly around Lodge and, and AFB. We lose far too much energy intensity when both are off the field and our go forward is severely hampered. And he did it again um, on the weekend. He took them both off at exactly the same time. Oh, yeah. And it's noticeable. Like, 
yeah, we just sort of groaned when we saw that shot of looking through the bench and you see the eight and the ten sitting there. And yeah, as I said, we struggle enough with momentum changes and why do it to ourselves? Why why take off our best forwards both at the same time and lose the what we go forward that we do have? Yeah. Um, Mark Robinson saying Lodge still has time to choose whether he's taking up his player option for next season. Yeah, I I think if he gets offered a contract, he won't. Uh, if he gets offered a contract elsewhere, because they've offered him an extension, they offered him what was it, two point one million for three seasons, and he knocked it back. He's a front rower, so <coughs> yeah, it's um, but yeah, Brownie's French rotations last year it confused me, uh, this year it's confusing me again, and. Even to the point of of who he looks at uh, putting on his bench uh, some weeks as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, well, can we can we discuss Sean Johnson and a player with so yeah, much like- experience, um, and he couldn't or didn't know how to navigate his team through that game, that unlosable game on the weekend. What are your thoughts on his performance and his role in the team and his perceived changing role in the side? Um, his performances this year have been ghost-like. Um, aside from kicking two field goals and a little stepping jink play where he, he got over the line against the Raiders for a disallowed try, he really hasn't done much on the footy field. Um He's every game he's throwing that ridiculous long ball that he tries to throw, and and I think every game except the Broncos game he got picked off um, with a with an intercept. I know it happened in the Cowboys; they intercepted. I know Melbourne intercepted. Um, in in the Dragons game, he came up with that really weird short kick. Uh, in oh the, in, yeah, the trick shot in, that gone wrong. Yeah. Um, look. I don't know if Sean knows what his role is supposed to be in, in our side. Because um, I can imagine that if you, were the, if you were the man, like if you were the man in your playing days at that club a few years ago and you've come back there and now you're not the man, I think that would be really hard to pill to swallow. And I don't know if he's – because he'll go sets in a uh, – like inside the opposition half or from halfway to like the 30 where he doesn't touch the ball in the set. And it's all, it's the last couple of weeks it's been Walsh at first receiver trying to create a lot of stuff. Now, I know SJ's got um, had issues with his legs in the past uh, in regards to hamstring injuries and so forth. But, yeah, I don't know, mate. He's in a game where we really needed him to step up and take control. Uh, he didn't. Yeah, it, it was Taylor. It was Taylor made for him to step up to the plate and show that he can control a game. He can take control. He can manage the game. He should have been getting everyone into position. Should have been saying, as a senior player, saying, "Look, guys, we need to calm down here. We can get them. We've got the numerical advantage. We just need to play calm, level-headed football." A lot was made of what he'd sort of learnt at the Sharks in those three years. He'd become more of a game management style player rather than, as, as we keep saying, the highlights, reels, sidestepping, um, scoring all those tries type player. It was 
yeah, it was that was all set up for him, and, and that's why when it happened, I'm like, this is this could be like a make or break game for for Sean because um, it was his time to step up to the plate. Uh, and as I said before, it reminded me so much of that finals game against Penrith, where we needed we needed him, we needed something to happen, we needed a little bit of spark, and unfortunately, he just didn't produce it. Sean's a front runner. He's he's always been a front runner. Um, and, you, and testament to that is the Broncos game this year. The Broncos game this year, we actually said how you could visibly see him barking out orders, controlling, telling everyone to settle down because we're playing from in front. But when we're playing from behind, he um, he struggles to get himself into the position to be the leader of that squad. Mark Roberts posted an interesting stat. Arzi has done one less try assist than SJ in two games compared to all of SJ's games this season. Our younger halves are doing more. SJ four assists, Arzi three, and CHT three. And then yeah, add Walsh that, into that as well, who looks yeah. easily the most dangerous um, sort of, I guess, playmaker in the side as well. Absolutely. And we we had a discussion over the last couple of days, uh, didn't we, mate, about the signing of Volkman now coming to the, to the Warriors early. Um, and they're saying that it's to get him into their systems and similar to what they did with Walsh last year. Like, we want to get him in here early and blah, blah, blah. And then, as we all know, Walsh was playing like the very next week. So is, is Sean Johnson on um, thin ice in regards to getting selected? I mean, it, it would surely be a, a huge blow to his ego if he got dropped or benched uh, in the coming weeks, particularly before they get home to New Zealand. I've, I've got a theory in my head, and I, I shared it with you the other day. I reckon Johnson plays up until the Tigers game uh, in New Zealand, and then they kind of let him go. The other thing with Sean, too, is you've got to remember, Sean's the only player here now with no family. Every other player has their, their significant other or their partner and their kids with them. Sean doesn't. So Kayla's back home in New Zealand, and so is his daughter. And... Um, yeah, I, th- I think that is playing heavily on him as well. Um, so I don't know. You know, maybe when he gets back, when they get back to New Zealand, he, I don't know. Does he stay there and uh, he doesn't come back to Australia? I, I don't know. I got no idea. Uh, Massive three weeks. Massive three weeks coming up for not Huge. for him and the team. Um, as as we said, so we got the Rabbitohs, which is what you would have considered a somewhat gettable game. Then you've got. Dragons and the Knights. What happens in that next I, three week period could make or break I, the whole season, I not just whole said, season, but SJ himself. I said at the beginning of the season in our in our season preview, and I can go back and bring it up for everyone if uh, you want. But I said that uh, in our first five games we need to have three wins, and we did that. And then in our next five games, which was a tough run of uh, Roosters, Storm, Raiders. Uh, who we got sharks and then this week the Rabbitohs. I said we needed two wins. So if we can beat the Rabbitohs this weekend, as far as my mind is concerned, on where we're sitting on the ladder, we're we're still in with where where I think we need to be. Still in with the shout. However, <laughs> you look at the ladder and that's one thing, but you look at the performances and that's something completely different. And the, performances, the performances give me yeah. Another key. They give me no confidence. No Far confidence. from convincing, as we said, even in the golden point wins, um, you know, we, we got our act together. 
um, to get the game into Golden Point and played well in Golden Point. So we'll give Sean, Sean the kudos for that, for icing those games. Yeah, because yeah. that's, that's something we have missed in the past, well, <laughs> three years since we didn't have him. Yeah, well, they would have been losses last year. They would have been losses, 100% they would have been. Um, You've got some stats there on Brownie, have you? Uh, stats for Brownie about his coaching record. Yeah. Okay, so his coaching current coaching record is where is it? Someone put it up just before in the chat, actually. Thirty-six. I think his Warriors percentage is thirty-six percent. Yep. Um, his overall coaching percentage is forty-two point three percent. Yeah. Okay. Win percentage. You got to remember those, those those years that the Knights were very lean. He, he came in and basically rebuilt that roster. Had like two or three wooden spoons, maybe. Yeah. yeah. You got a season where they only had one draw and one win or something. Yeah, I remember that they had one win all year, and it was against the Tigers, wasn't it? Yeah, good old Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, mate, it's um even in a loss like that, we we still have to give. Three, two, one points um, to for our our Torius player of the season, uh, and it was somewhat a difficult assignment this week. We we we've given one point to Adam Fanua Blake, and two points to Matt Lodge simply because of the the work that they did in the middle when we did have the ball. Uh, they both were the only two players that, apart from uh, Walshy, that carried over hundred meters. Um, and they did cause the, a few headaches. There was some it, there were some points in that game where, like with, with the Jack Murchie bomb try, where Matt Lodge ran to the line, he drew in three defenders, got an eye that created the, the space for Murch to either score or pass to score, and, you know, we bombed that try. And that was and, – and he did that for um, the – I think it was the Villy Vallea try as well, where he, he kind of got uh, Walsh into a bit of space for, from bringing in defenders and then releasing an offload. That was the game. That was the blueprint. That was the blueprint of what we needed to do. We needed like Lodge and AFB just to to draw in the defenders, shorten up that defensive line, and then we get the ball out wide. So, and we just we didn't stick to it. That was the problem. Um, mm. Yeah, but our Torres player of the match, uh, we gave our three points to Reese Walsh. Uh, he was the only player that tried his heart out, uh, looking to create opportunities, and and he did refuse to give in <coughs> until he picked up that minor hamstring injury at the end. Yeah, it was no, it was no fault of his. Yeah, continually no. is the spark um, that ignites our attack or our floundering attack as it is this year. So our player of the season standings that sees Adam Fanua Blake now joining Josh Curran as joint leaders. They're on eleven. Matt Lodge and Reese Walsh both on four points. Are both four points behind? Sorry, on seven as well. All right, mate. We'll go around the grounds and we'll look at some of the other. Some of the other results. We finally got through all that. <laughs> and it's almost, Mate, you know, just, I'm just looking at the minutes. comments there. Uh, just two comments. One, Dylan Moley says, do you think Nia Corey will play in the centres next season to bolster the outside backs? Uh, probably not. I think they've bought him as a as a edge back rower. I think that's where he'll play because uh, they do have um, old mate, what's his name? Dylan Walker coming. Dylan Walker. Um, We've also got Mitch Barnett coming. I forgot about him too. So we've got some outside, uh, some edge back rollers coming or middles. <clears throat> and uh, Jacko says, after 33 games, Bluey McLennan had the same win rate and was gone after 22 games. Work that out. I, I think, think the, the problem, 
yeah, the problem with Bluey and McLennan was it, we we came from 2011 having all three grades in the grand final and we just went completely off a cliff. Like, yeah, I, think I think it was. was. I think he, he lost. I, I don't. I'm, I'm. I'm not sure exactly what went on behind the scenes. Obviously, but I think he. They were just concerned that he had lost the dressing room, and yeah. um, they considered his position to be untenable. Uh, but yeah, yeah it's, un, it's unprecedented. Not even last one season, but yeah, it was just the the rapid the rapid fall dive off the cliff head first that I think got everyone concerned. Yeah, I agree with Mark Roberts. Chucking the coach out is not the way to go right now. No, we've no. we we resort to that every, uh, far too often, and you know it's not the the best way to go about things. Um, Brownie's building his roster, and he's he's got to be given the opportunity to to see if that roster works under his guidance. And I'll say, look, he'll be under severe pressure if we don't make the eight this year to keep his job after this season, but. You don't want to um, you don't want to be swapping coaches midway through a season, especially when you know the the side's trying to negotiate getting back home uh, as well. So yeah, um, onto yes, the round, yes. mate. Yes, Stevie. At least one of my teams are winning at the moment. Yeah, smashing the sixes tonight. One more game to go. Uh, anyway, yeah. Sorry, but onto the round other round out results. We'll go round eight results. We'll go through this quickly. So Thursday night we have the Rabbitohs and the Broncos. Rabbitohs 12 to the Broncos 32. Um, yeah, the talking point was the return of Adam Reynolds to South Sydney, and they went to the game. The Broncos went to the game as listed, and the Rabbitohs welcome back Tane Mill on the wing for Josh Mansour. And um, David Moale came in for Tom Burgess. Broncos visibly up for this game, and you can understand why, and they were the better side for the first 40 minutes. Both te uh, teams' opportunities to score points. It was the Broncos who were able to ice their opportunities, tries to Oates and Reynolds, scoring as his former club. Didn't he enjoy that? And why wouldn't yeah. he? Yeah. Um, Broncos' defence was resolute on their own lines, denying four or five tries in that first half, but way to possession saw the uh, Rabbitohs get a try right before halftime. Adam Reynolds, he just showed the importance of a good kicking game and he was creating opportunities for the Broncos off the back of well-placed kicks and surely the Rabbits would have to be questioning, why did they let him go? <laughs> uh, I'm glad someone else is saying it as well, not just us. Yeah. Just our fans, I should say. Um, a set play from the scrum resulted in Farmworth going over the Broncos and that was the nail in the coffin for the Rabbitohs and they went on to record a very convincing win. They did. Um, Friday night, uh, the Raiders uh, in, hosted the Bulldogs in the first game. Um, Raiders 14, Whitehead Frawley tries, Croker three from four goals. Bulldogs four, Burton a try and a missed goal. Good to see Jared Croker back in the in the uh, first grade squad there. Um, the Raiders started this game similarly to last week with a lot of early possession in the opposition half. Uh, building pressure and intensity, but again, unable to score points due to the Bulldogs' uh, goal line defence. Pangai Jr., lucky not to be sin-binned early aim, using a forearm to the face of Adam Elliott. Uh, both sides with dis disallowed tries before the Raiders were able to post first points through Elliott Whitehead um, after a mountain of possession inside the Bulldogs' half. Um, the Raiders, again, struggling to turn their first half possession into points with 50 tackles inside the Bulldogs' half compared to the Dogs' nine. And 25 tackles inside the Bulldogs, 20 compared to the Dogs' duck egg. Uh, and it took a solo effort from Matt Frawley, of all people, throwing two dummies to split the Dogs' defence for the Raiders to take a 10-0 lead into halftime. Uh, Raiders starting the second half with a good weight of possession. Um, 
The Bulldogs with a successful short drop kick uh, regain possession. They're able to score off the ensuing set to post first points of the game of their first points of the game in the 60th minute. Um, and the Raiders' woeful second halves uh, look to be continuing. Um, the Raiders with the sec two second half penalty goals, enough to hang on for an unconvincing win. Again, unable to score tries. Uh, and Jared Croker playing his first game of the season after fighting back from a knee injury. He's dislocated his shoulder in the final minutes of the game. So uh, bad luck to him. Mm. Well, from an absolute bludger of a game to one of the games of the season, uh, Para Parramatta versus Penrith at their Penrith. Panthers 20. Double to May, Edwards, Lenny, you tries, Cleary, two from four, and Eels, 22. Gutherson, Marnie, Madison, and Brown tries, Moses, three from four. Uh, bolstered by the – the Panthers were bolstered by the return of Moses, Leota, and Brian Toto to the game day 17. And Toto, who has made left wing his own at Penrith, he played on uh, the right wing, and Tago and May combination, combination was allowed to continue on the other side. Penrith Machine, which was um, misfiring last week, came out all Pistons firing this week, and they scored first points early in the match. Some real feeling though in this one with the local derby, as you can as you can imagine, and there always is in this game. And the intensity level between two teams was very high. Paris energy um, it was a big change to what they produced against the Cowboys last week up there. It was in massive, yeah, yeah. Um, Parramatta penalty tried Reed Marnie. Um, took the lead to 10-6 and then a try to Brian Toto is disallowed through obstruction. But a try to Taylor May a short while later had the scores tied up at 10 all at half time. Then the opening 15 minutes of the second half was an absolute grind. Um, the Panthers building pressure with their defense, the Eels just weren't able to get out of their 30 meter zone for, um, for their sets as well. And Penrith they capitalized on the pressure, kick out with a beautiful tip on to Taylor May, got the Panthers back in front on the scoreboard. But Par Parramatta, they refused to give in and they fought their way back into the contest. They got repeat sets in the Panthers' half and they got back-to-back -back tries, uh, literally Madison and Brown, and they took a 22-14 to 14 lead with 10 minutes remaining. Although Penrith can never write them off the ever the uh, ever the competitors, they refused to go away and they set up a grandstand finish with a couple of minutes remaining after Spencer Leniu scored. Panthers, uh, they had the final set of the night and Cleary got himself in position to attempt a two-point field goal and failed to find the mark. And the Eels, they became the first team to defeat the Panthers in 2022 and hand them their first home defeat since 2019. That's a record, isn't it? But mm. That's a massive record. And, I mean, the Eels, they're a weird side, aren't they? I mean, the two of their they're best really games have beaten Melbourne and the beaten Penrith, but, you know, they've lost to the Cowboys and a couple other teams. Um, Tigers, but, yep. Yeah, I mean, Penrith were probably due a loss. Um, you know, they weren't real good the week before. Uh, I think having a loss and then going into Magic Round uh, against the Storm is going to make it a cracking game of footy this, this Saturday night, that's for sure. Mm. Um, first game on Saturday was the Seagulls versus the Tigers uh, down there at, um, is it Four Pines Stadium, they call it now? Four Pines, I think it is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Seagulls, 36. Uh, Burbo, two tries. Garrick, two tries. Tulpilotto, Cherry Evans, LOA tries. Garrick, four from seven goals. Uh, Tigers, 22. Garner, Peachy, Gildart, Offahengawi tries. Hastings, three from four. Um, Manly welcome back to all their stars in um, a few of their stars. Morgan Harper, uh, Josh LOA, and Tommy Turbo, <clears throat> all returning, returning from extended hiatus. 
Uh, and it's the first game that all three Trebojevic brothers have started in the NRL together. So mm-hmm. a great little thing for the family there. Uh, interesting start to the game from Manly, a short 10-metre kickoff from DCE, uh, regathered by Lockham Croker to start the game. That certainly put the Tigers on notice. Um, after an even opening 30 minutes, uh, Manly were first to post points through uh, Burbo, Ben Trebojevic, with a hit and spin to get over the line. Uh, the player, the Tigers were the player sent to the sim bin towards the back end of the first half, and Manly waste no time exploiting the extra man, scoring immediately through Ruben Garrick, and then right on halftime, uh, Christian Tuopolotto scored in the right corner for a 12-0 lead. Uh, Ruben Garrick missing all three goals. Um, the Tigers lost two players to HIA during the game, uh, big Kenny Mamalo and Thomas McKayley. Uh They were both ruled out prior to halftime, so it was obviously a uh, positional switch for the Tigers there during that game. Uh, young Tolotau Kola uh, showed both his footwork and his speed to set up DCE to open the scoring in the second half uh, for Manly to go out to an 18-0 lead. Um, the Tigers then had a good period of possession where they scored two tries to get them back to within six of the Seagulls with 25 to go. But Manly were able to regroup and control possession and the field position to post more points. Uh, as I said, Burbo, Ben Trebojevic getting a double and they went on to get their fifth win of the season. Yeah, moving on to the second game, the Roosters versus Titans at Mackay. Uh, big win for the Roosters, 38-16. to 16. Tedesco with a hat-trick, Tupo with a double, Suwali, Taukiaho tries, Walker 4 from 5, Momorowski 1 from 2, Titans 16 points, Fermor, Lesone and SASA tries, and Sexy Sexton with 2 from 3. Um, yeah, the game, as I said, taken to Mackay, and both teams coming off a string of losses and eager to get their seasons back on track. The Titans with the first points of the match through Bo Fermor chasing through a, a Sexton grubber for an early 4-0 lead. The Roosters, though, they hit back immediately with Manu doing all the hard work to put Tedesco in for a try. Um, Lindsay Collins, he was sin-binned um, for a shoulder charge on Corey Thompson, but the Titans, they were unable to score points in the 10-minute period. Yeah. Not just us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but, but the Roosters, uh, they were able to post points with a man down as well. Um, the Roosters' four first-half tries all down the right edge with the Titans' left edge defence extremely soft, just not first-grade standard there, no. to be honest. Um, Roosters leading 24-10 at halftime. And the second half started with points to the Titans, but the Roosters, they were able to continue to build pressure. And they shifted the momentum back in their favour, scored some points of their own, and they kept the Titans at bay. The Roosters with four second-half tries to blow the score out and send the Titans to their sixth straight defeat. And James Tedesco, he brought up his 100th NRL try uh, with that hat-trick, becoming the 76th person to achieve that feat. Yeah, yeah, congratulations to him. Um, Interesting, isn't it? I'm I'm sure teams like the Knights and the Titans, and to a lesser extent the the Raiders and the Bulldogs, are are very happy with the way the Warriors are going because every every two weeks where we put in a diabolical performance, we take all the headlines and people are forgetting that, you know, the Knights are on a seven-game slide and the Titans are on a six-game slide, but... You know, the Warriors are the ones that keep getting all the media attention on their performances. Oh, Typicalising yeah. media. Um, just answer, maybe- sorry, just to answer Ciala, yeah, it is It is raining here um, and it's supposed to rain well into next week. So it's going to be a wet magic round, I'm afraid. Yeah, I've never heard of them cancelling a round of footy. Um, but from what I, or what I hear about the weather that's happening up there at the moment, there's a good, good chance that they could uh, because that field's going to be churned up uh, like nothing else. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, Cowboys played the Knights at home. The Cowboys 36. Deirdre and Felt, Tualungi, Holmes, Nanai, Lukey tries. 
home six from six goals. Uh, the Knights, 16. Young, Jacob Saifidi and Randall tries. Ponga, two from three goals. Uh, the Cowboys playing in front of the home crowd at Townsville, scoring uh, scoring the opening minutes of the game through Dearden. Uh, the Knights finally break their try drought after 192 minutes without scoring a try. The Sex Toy puts the Predator, Dominic Young, into a hole. And the Sex Toy very good at filling holes, uh, we believe. What a combination. <laughs> Absolutely. Of, there was a bit of buzz around that play, wasn't there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, both teams with some very good possession during the first half. The Knights competing a lot better than they have the past few weeks. Um Kyle Felt was a recipient of a pinpoint cutout pass. He scored to put the Cowboys more than a converted try in front. Um, so Feedy from a Ponga kick uh, off the post pad, he scores a try. And then Randall had the, uh, had the Knights leading 16-12 at halftime. Um, the Cowboys, they exploited some very soft Knights defense early in the second half to score two very quick tries to take a commanding lead. And that was enough to have the Knights uh, fold like a cheap suit. A couple of missed opportunities, drop ball over the line for Tamalolo. The Cowboys iced uh, some further opportunities for tries to Nanai and Luki for a convincing win, keeping them positioned up in that top four. And, and as I said, the Knights slumping to their seventh straight defeat. Yes, indeed. And the first game on Sunday, Storm versus the Dragons. Storm 42, Pappenhausen with a double. Meany, Hughes, Munster, Osofa, Solomona and Liero tries. Pappenhausen two from two, Meany five from six. Dragons one try was to Bedbugs to Bellin and Lomax one from one. Just to highlight how dominant the Storm are, they've only lost nine games in the past three years. And apart from uh, the Panthers and the Eels, the Dragons are the only team who have beat the Storm since 2020. I can't even think when that was. It must have been when all their origin players were in or something. Yeah, something June like 2020, that. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it would have been around origin period. So it has an asterisk next to it. Uh, Storm celebrating two milestone games, Kenny Bromwich 200 and NAS 150. And first half, both teams had some early opportunities. Storm with two tries, overturned by the bunker. The Dragons going close with Ravalawa. Storm had a 12-0 halftime lead on the back of some good attacking pressure, making most of the opportunities, but the score not really indicative of how dominant they were. Uh, they lost Remus Smith in the first half, and then Pappenhausen, crucially, early in the second half to a hamstring injury and a knee injury that will force a major backline shuffle for the Storm. And the Storm's fourth try of the game, a chip kick from Munster to Hughes, highlight the vision, awareness, skill, and execution of their halves. And um, the Storm, they went 201 minutes without conceding a try. Their last coming in the 29th minute of the Anzac Clash against the Warriors before the Bellin's try for the Dragons in the 72nd. It's uh, absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, just crazy uh, stats. Just the how how good some of these sides are, but just how bad that the void between the good and the bad is massive. It is massive, and it's only going to get bigger uh, because, like, you look at the the players that the Dolphins have signed, and like I've heard of half those guys. So um, yeah, yeah, they need to get a wriggle on the Dolphins anyway. Um, and of course, the last game of the round was the Sharks' victory over us, which we have we gone. Do not through. need to. Do not need to relive that one again. No, so so the latter at the moment after eight rounds of storm. Now the competition leaders, uh, following Penrith, lost to Parramatta, um, and the Panthers dropping back to second on four and against. The Cowboys remain in third on four and against ahead of the Sharks in fourth, and the Eels in fifth. Uh, I think they're all on twelve points or ten points. The Roosters, uh, they're on twelve points. Sorry, the Roosters, Seagulls, and Broncos round out the top eight, all on ten competition points. 
with the rabbits, warriors, and dragons all on eight points just outside the eight. Interestingly, we get beaten and go up a place on the ladder because the dragons got beat by uh, Melbourne. So, just so we slept a little bit less than the dragons. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and the Raiders are in 12th on six points all on their own. And then we've got the Tigers, Titans, Bulldogs, and Knights picking up the bottom eight of the ladder. Do we have a mathematical chance? Of course we do at this stage. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> um, mate. Um, team news. Yeah, team news. We're not, we're not doing a Ruse, Ruse rant or a Hammers Hot Topic. I, I've kind of didn't have time to get anything organised. And your rant was actually going to be what we discussed uh, in yeah. the breakdown of the Warriors game. So we'll go straight into some team news, mate. Yeah, that's it. So I just want to give a shout out to Mark Mokai for sending me that link today. It was an interview with Craig Hodges on Sen Radio. Some of you guys might have heard it. Um, a few interesting points to come out of that. Um, talking about Chanel, uh, saying that the offer is still on the table and the ball is well and truly in his court. So it's up to him to make a decision on his future. Interesting. So you can probably expect in the next week or so we might, we might get um, an answer on that one. He was. Uh, he had a staunch defence for Brownie, as we mentioned before. His overall coaching record is only forty-two point three all up, and and thirty-six percent, thirty-six percent with the Warriors. Um, but he kept saying, "Yeah, as we mentioned before, you do have to take into account his years with the Knights, some of those lean years there." Um, regarding the Cody Nicarima release, he said that all happened very quickly, and as we found out during the week, the worst kept secret was that Cody had had been granted immediate release to join the Rabbitohs. On a short-term deal, I think it's for the rest of this year, and he has a player option in his favour for next year. And of course, they didn't hesitate to put him straight into the team to play against us because if there's one team he's going to carve up, it's going to be us, right? Um, I don't think yeah. he will. Don't think he will. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I just got that. It's just that whole Murphy's Law thing. It's it's like yeah, set up the flat track bully kind of aspect of his game. I feel like. Same way as Sean Johnson always used to demolish us when he played the Sharks. Um, Ronald Volkman and Freddie Lussick, uh, they've joined the squad effective immediately. Uh, what are your thoughts on these two additions to the squad? Well, Volkman's a good addition. Um, you know, we've signed him for three years, I think, um, from next season, from 2023. So getting him there early, uh, I like that. I like the fact that, you know, he can come early, he can uh, work in with our... Uh, you know, the, the squad, learn our systems, if there are any to learn by the looks of how we're playing. Let's just everyone do whatever they want. But um, gets him in there uh, and is a, a good opportunity for him that he could get uh, some game time with us uh, in the coming weeks. Freddie Lussick was a really weird one because Freddie Lussick's only come to us on that short-term deal to the end of this year. And they say it's to give more um, backup to... Um, Wade Egan and Otacola. Yeah, that's the other thing that Craig Hodges said. Yeah, it was to give a bit of um, support to Egan, to give him a bit of a break because they said he's working really hard and doing a lot of tackles and playing big minutes at the moment. It makes you wonder what they what they have in store for Otacolo though. because I mean, Otacolo this year, he's, he's been named, I think, three occasions, but all three occasions he's had to play in the middle because we've had like injuries. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Like Lussick's an, uh, an odd one because he's only coming until the end of 2022, 22, kind of like Dejan uh only coming until the end of this season. And then who knows what happens to him because, you know, we've got Volkman signed now. We've got Metcalf coming. Um, we've got 
you know, Dylan Walker, I keep saying, you know, he, he's played in the halves before as well. So, yeah, I don't know what the go is with. And, and um, if CHT accepts the new deal, then we could have like five halves on our books for next year. That's even more than we had this year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and maybe that's the thing. Maybe Arzi's there this year. So if CHT doesn't accept the new deal, then I'm he's sure already in the system and they just, yeah, they just offer him a contract. Yeah. Um, because it will be interesting to see what happens when CHT returns from his uh, testicle problem, um, whether he slots straight back into the team or whether he's got to work his way in and Arzi retains his spot. Well, Jacko is um, saying we had to take Lussick to get Volkman as the as the old Cox wanted a bit of cap space. Must have been a package uh, deal. Okay. Interesting. Okay, maybe that answers your question then. Yeah, okay. Well, that's fine. Um <laughs> Yeah. Not that they've ever worried about cap space, have they? <laughs> no. Yeah, that, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's, that's funny, isn't it? They, I, they just, let, I just suddenly realised what I just said. <laughs> they let Lussick, they let Lussick and Volkman go, who are what combined are probably on 250,000, like the minimum payment yeah. that, that's combined, not each. And then they'll turn around and they'll sign, you know, uh, re sign uh, Crichton because he's, he's doing contract talks now and they'll, they'll sign him for a million. That, that, that's their contract space. It reminds me when Sonny Bill came back a couple of years ago and they released the reserve grader from the squad to be able to fit him under the cap. That's right. Yeah. They did to, sure you didn't did. they send him to the Tigers did. or something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did he have a play uh, guy? Uh, well, um, remember he gave Actually, his thoughts before and after and there was Sonny Bill Cam on the sideline. No, did, Sonny, no did the guy that they released, did he have a play oh. for the Tigers? Is, is that that? <laughs> Is that that Capoa that's playing for him now? Um, yeah, it might be. <laughs> I can't. I can't even remember who it was, to be honest. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah. Okay, mate. Do you want to look at the team for round ten? Uh, round ten. Uh, yeah, let's round? do it. So, magic round coming up. We're assuming it's still on, weather weather permitting. Um, so our team to face the Rabbitohs, we have Walsh, DWZ, and returning is Marcello Montoya on the other wing. Miliami Vallejo retained in the centres with Adam Pompey. Uh, Dejan Arce and Sean Johnson in the halves. Adam Fenua Blake, Wade Egan, Matt Lodge in the front row. Ewan Aitken and Tohu Harris, the big inclusion there in the second row. And Jazz Tavonga at lock. On the bench, Pene, Murdoch, Masilla, Arthur, and Murchie. And the extended bench consists of Katoa, Berry, Pedersen, Rabadi, Ed Kozzi, Junior Rituva, Volkman, and Lusick, both included in the game day 25. Yeah. Uh, as you said, mate, Warriors captain Torhu Harris has been named to make his return from a long injury layoff. He slots straight back into the back row, which forced Elikatoa back to the extended interchange bench. And I'm not uh, against that. I thought Elikatoa was... Um, just mistake riddled last week in that game. Mm. Uh, Marcelo Montoya returns from his four-week suspension. He goes straight onto the wing. Adam Pompey into the centres. Rocco Berry, the unlucky man, relegated to the extended bench. Um, no other changes to the team. Uh, Volkman and Lussing on the extended bench. The interesting one for me is Ewan Aitken because I Gosh. thought that if you uh, failed your HIA, you had, it was seven days, and our turnaround is six days. For this game, so I, I, I don't know. Um, it was just interesting that Aitken got named, uh, and I'm assuming that 
Bailey Serenin must be injured because he's not named on the extended bench at all. Yeah. Hmm. Was power? Yep. Okay. okay. As as you thought, as you suspected. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, okay. Shall we go around the grounds quickly and look at some of the other games to be played in this round ten Magic round? Uh, yeah. Let's have a look. First mate. up on Friday, Bulldogs versus the Knights. Bulldogs. Uh, Chris Patolo coming onto the bench is the only change for the Dogs. The Knights, Adam Clune returns at halfback. Phoenix Crossland moves into change bench. Warriors, new signing Mitch Barnett. He returns from his suspension into the back row, replacing injured Tyson Frizzell. Tough one to pick this. Um, he is. Yeah, I'm going to go the Bulldogs in a close one here. Yeah, I went the Dogs. Um, the Knights just don't seem to be showing me too much. At least the Bulldogs look to be trying some stuff. Uh, so, yeah, I, I went the same. Um <laughs> Who's Juan? Juan, uh, where's Callum? Callum, Juan, used to, he's my good mate. He used to live with me here. He now lives down uh, Shell Harbour, but he's a Tigers supporter. Uh, and as Ciala says, he will never win the Mike Doreen Cup. Um, <laughs> the second game on Friday night, Eagles versus Broncos. They, they had the same game last year, Seagulls Broncos on the Friday night, I'm pretty sure. I think the it's Eagles. a traditional tra – they're, they're trying to make it a traditional clash. It's always the Eagles that take their home game there as well for some reason. Yeah, I remember that game because the, the Broncos ended up playing with 11 and the Sea Eagles put 40 on them. That's how and it's the Sea Eagles exploited it, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. that's how it's done. Uh, for the Sea Eagles, Ben Burbo, Trebojevic retains his spot in the starting side, is in the centres um, with um, – what's his name? Tolatau Kula. Reese Feldman, our mate Reese Feldman, Morgan Harper, he's relegated back to the extended bench. Sean Kepi comes into the starting side, Matty, Marty Power back to the bench, and Hama, Hamole Olokoatu, he returns from injury. For the Broncos, two begins, Payne Haas and Kirk Capewell, back, both back this week. Um, mate, I reckon I'm going to go the Broncos in a close one. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the Broncos as well. Uh, Haas and... And um, Capewell, big inclusions into that side. Yep. We're already playing well, so I'll, I'll stick with the Broncos, which is basically a home game for them, even though it's a manly, manly game. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Manly home game. Yeah. Uh, moving on to Saturday, that is our game, the Warriors versus Rabbits. So for us, as we said, Tohu Harris back from injury. Alikatoa rele relegated to the extended bench. Uh, Hectic Montoya returns for his four-week suspension. Pompey to the centre is buried to the extended bench. And for the Rabbitohs, Jackson Paulo, he's brought back to the centres. Um, Isaiah Tash relegated to the extended bench. Cam Murray is the big omission. Uh, Jay, uh, Jai Arrow named at lock and Jacob Host into the back row. Oh, you know what I'm going to pick here. A very nervous four-point victory to us. Yeah, my heart says the, the Warriors uh, in a close one. Um my head is saying maybe the Rabbits in an even closer one. Uh, Cam Murray is a big out. And the fact that Paulo is named in the centres, I think is massive for us because we know in the past he's struggled in the centre position, uh, which really surprised me because Isaiah Tass is a big-bodied centre. I thought he would have been pr uh, prime for – and, I mean, they, they, he's been on the extended bench. They could change that. Uh, I think Torhu being in is going to give the guys a lot of confidence. Um yeah, so maybe the Warriors in a close one. Uh, if they bring back all the sin bins from Magic Round and we don't get any player sin bin, we'll find a way to lose. Yeah, well, we did last year. 
Um, ours was the only game there was no sin bins, us and uh, Parramatta. And there should have been. Oh, because, Mitchell Moses. Yeah. On on, uh, Roger Tulvasashek down the sideline. Yeah, should have been sin bin, but it wasn't. Um, the second game on Saturday uh, is the Titans versus the Dragons. Um, so the Titans, uh, Jaden Campbell in, returns named at fullback, which moves AJ Brimson back into the halves. Essan Masters has been named Forgotten man. the centers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for the Dragons named in the back row, Junior Amone named at six. I'm going to pick the Dragons in this one, mate. I have no faith in the Titans at the moment. Um, so I'll say the Dragons. Yeah, I think the Dragons, have, like the Titans are just all over the place. Yeah, I think the Dragons, it'll be a close one, but I think the Dragons will just get the job done. And what a way to round out the Saturday Magic Round, Storm versus Panthers, blockbuster of all blockbusters. Um, for the Storm, Pappenhausen and Remus Smith, they're both out with injuries. Nick Manny named at fullback. Dean Iremea named on the wing. And Marion Sebe in the centres. The Panthers, no changes. I am going to look. I think with a couple of uh, crucial outs, I think the Panthers will be able to get uh, the better of the storm here. It'll be a super close game. But I think the Panthers might be able to get the job done. Some key outs Pappenhausen, Smith's been playing now. I'll go with the yeah. Penrith Panthers. Yeah, I if Penrith had a one last week, I would have picked the Storm to beat them this week. But the fact that Penrith lost last week, I'm going to pick them to bounce back and win. They very rarely lose two in a row. And as you said, Pappenhausen is a massive out um, for the Storm uh, and Remus Smith as well. Um, So, yeah, I'll I'll pick the Panthers. Pappenhausen must hate Magic Round, you reckon? Remember last year we were watching the Storm and and, uh, Dragons game. He got knocked out right in front of us by... uh, That's right. By Um, Real yeah, yeah. That's, I do remember that. And then he was missing for like 11 weeks or something after that. He's he, outrageous. He didn't play for a while. So, yeah, I don't think he's a fan of Magic Round, Ryan Pappenhausen. The first, no, that's right. The first game on Sunday is uh, the Sharks versus the Raiders. Uh, the Sharks, um, Will Kennedy out suspended. So, Nico Hines has been named at fullback. That moves Braden Trindle into the halves. Uh, Connor Tracy has been named in the centres for the suspended Jesse Ramian and Ronaldo Mulatalo, who was out with the injury last week. He returns on the wing. For the Raiders, uh, Corey Hadawil Renato named in the back row. Ryan Sutton moved to the interchange bench. And Sebastian Chris is named in the centres for the injured Jared Croker. Um, Sharks. Sharks, big score, Sharks. Yeah, Sharks, very comfortably. Uh, next game, Roosters versus the Eels. Roosters, Connor Watson, he returns at hooker for the Roosters, replacing injured Sam Verrills. Uh, Taukiaho named to start in place of the injured Lindsay Collins. And Daniel Saluke Fafita is new man on the bench. No changes for the Eels. Another another game is a little bit difficult to pick. Um, I'm going to stick with the Eels on the back of their strong form last week. Um, yeah, I'm the same, mate. I, I think the Eels, I, I still think the Roosters are like just they're, they're spluttering along, they're not, um, you know, they're not uh raising any eyebrows or getting anyone excited, but they, they are able to win some games along the way. But I think the Eels are going along pretty nicely, and the fact that they haven't had to make any changes, I think, is a good thing. So, yeah, um, I'm with you on the Eels. And then the final game to round out Magic Round will be the West Tigers versus the Cowboys. 
Um, the West Tigers, Luciano Lee Lua returns in the back row and Alex Seafarth has moved to the bench. And the Cowboys, zero changes from Toddy Payton. Um, mate, you can't go past the Cowboys. They're sitting third in, on the ladder. They're playing some really good footy. Um, you know, they haven't really had to travel too far. I think the I think they've only played one game outside of Queensland since like the middle of last year. So um Raiders. Yep. Yeah. So you're picking the Cowboys, and I think it'll be by about ten to twelve points. Yeah, I think the Cowboys fairly comfortably as well. And uh playing really well under Toddy's leadership up there. Um, guys, don't forget, we do have some live shows coming up. Obviously, every Wednesday, we have our Warriors review. Um, next week, we'll be reviewing all the action from Magic Round. And of course, we're continuing to make those connections with the former players and bring you guys those interviews that you all enjoy. So some interviews that we have coming up, we just haven't got dates for yet. We'll include Robbie Mears, 2000 Player of the Year, uh, Tony Martin, Warrior 109, and Richard Villasanti. Um, they're all coming up soon. We just we just finalised some dates with some of these guys, and yeah, keep an eye out on our events page on Facebook for any of these interviews that we will be announcing, and also for the fan pregame meetups. And speaking of which, you won't want to miss this week. It is the round, the Magic Round fan meetup, the Lord Alfred Hotel, 12 p.m. Saturday. Be there. Uh, special guests: Warrior 76, Mark Tukey, Warrior 86, Kevin Campion. And Warrior 127, Grant Ravelli, will be our special guest on the day. Um, right, guys, even if you can't get a ticket to the game and you're still in the area, come down and um, hang out with the fans, meet some of our former legends. Um, you can still be involved in it. We know Saturday is a sellout, but and if you are in the area. Yeah. Who knows? Like some people there may have spare tickets. Like, the, you know, um, they might have people that have pulled out from their party and I'll be willing to yeah, sell a ticket weather, on the day. Weather, weather might have put a few people off as well. So, yeah, make sure you're there. You never know your luck. It's going to be a fantastic afternoon. Uh, last well, year's was, was was brilliant. Um, so come and, and catch up with us and um, Richie and Lisa from Warrior Nation as well. Um, we a joint event there. Um, come and mingle with your fa- with uh, fellow fans and former legends. And, you know, you'll be able to get eyes on uh, Cameron George. He'll be there. Uh, Glenn Critchley, the um, corporate man- uh, corporate manager, he's coming over from New Zealand for the event. And then we've also got a couple of uh, players' families that are going to be joining us on the day. So uh, the Currens will be there. Uh, Dejan Arzi's uh, family will be there. They've contacted me today. So, yeah, great opportunity to come and mi- mix and mingle with um, like-minded Warriors fans, uh, have a few drinks, and um, and then head across to the game. It should be great. Absolutely. Um Callum McGill, honestly, do you both still dislike Ronaldo? <laughs> I, I think are you talking about pre-Jack? pre-Jack. Yeah, yeah. You don't hate him. Um, if anything, like off the field, the guy does some great stuff uh, in the community. Um, look, we're just not fans of his over, his overzealous post try antics. Getting up after scoring a try like he's won the comp. Yeah, uh, it's just. Yeah, I'm just glad he wasn't playing on the weekend. Imagine how he would have reacted to that one. So. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, he needs to take a leaf out of um, James Fisher-Harris's a man that never smiles. Uh, <laughs> He's got to be a bit more intense. Yeah, tone it down a little bit, Ronaldo. Yeah. But no, we don't, we, don't hate him. we don't hate anyone. No, um, absolutely not. 
Yeah. And just a reminder, guys, we're on Patreon. Uh, we are on Patreon. Our, our membership subscription platform uh, enables you guys to uh, our followers to show your support of us uh, at the, our bronze tier up and running. Uh, but we will be unlocking some more platforms, maybe not through Patreon, though, in the upcoming weeks. Yeah, that's right. You can head to our Patreon page to show your support for us and uh, support us and what we're doing here. And you can subscribe to our bronze tier, which is set the lowest possible amount. That's just $3 a month, which is next to nothing, but it goes a long way for us. It goes to paying for our licenses, for our streaming services, and all other costs that are involved with producing this this, um, this show. And we've partnered with Torius Screen Print. They've produced all our merchandise so far, um, and we'll continue to do so. We'll be having some uh, special membership-only merchandise or membership slash Patreon, as Mark said. We may be looking at other membership uh, platforms. So uh, check, keep your eyes uh, on social media and we'll be announcing that as soon as that's ready to go. And there will be some exclusive membership-only merchandise that we'll be releasing as well, uh, thanks to Torius. Absolutely. And we'd like to thank those who have subscribed to our Bronze Tier Patreon program so far. Uh, and those people are Daniel Delore. Peregrine Falconer, Sean Kurzweil, Fabian Moroa, Stevie Williams, Christian Catley, Alf Tualawe, TK Harris, uh, Ted Clark, Inamete, Lisa Marie Bateman, Ken Wills, Nigel Phillips, Kane Fraser, Jermaine Downs, Malcolm Earnshaw, Dennis Danzo, and Siala Afamasanga. Uh, thanks, guys. We appreciate your support. Um, and just responding to Mike Harrison there, magic round to Auckland next year. Let's hope so, mate. Certainly deserve it. Yeah, be well-deserved for sure. Don't forget, if you do miss any of our live shows, though, you can always catch up on our Facebook page. You can go to the video section there and also on YouTube channel to catch up on anything that's been live-streamed there under our videos. Um, the easiest way to find our videos, though, is head to our link tree. Um, the link is on your screen now, and you can catch up on anything that we've done, whether it be live guest interviews, special presentations, any of the content that we have produced. And while you're on our YouTube channel, you know, don't forget to give us a like and a subscribe. Uh, you'll never miss any of our streamed content or anything else that we upload on there. Uh, it doesn't cost a thing, you know. does not cost a thing. Um, and if you're a podcast fan, you can catch all our episodes on our podcast platform, Spotify, Apple, Google, Breaker, uh, Radio Direct, uh, iHeartRadio. Make sure you subscribe to us there. All episodes are uploaded, ready to listen to on a Thursday morning, and don't forget to head to our Instagram page. Uh, that's where we upload the majority of our content daily to keep our followers informed of all upcoming events, Warriors news, player movements, all other Warriors-related content. Well, mate, I reckon that's about a wrap for tonight. Uh, a bit of an exhausting one, reliving all of that. Let's hope we don't have to do, do that again. Um, and hopefully next week we're talking about a strong return to form against the Rabbitohs. Thank you guys for watching on Facebook and YouTube and for all you guys that you support us. It's very much appreciated by us both. Absolutely. Um, hope to see many of you there at Magic Round on the weekend. And uh, go the Warriors. Go the Warriors. Take care, guys. See ya. <laughs>